Welcome to Stories of Faith and Hope, the podcast that inspires your faith and gives you reason to hope. I'm your host, Joel Sutherland. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode on the life of Daniel. If you recall, last week we talked about Daniel chapter 5 and the fall of Babylon. The Medo Persians came in, Cyrus the Great um, destroyed Babylon, and then left Darius the Mede to rule. He ruled for just over a year, but that was a very eventful eventful year in Daniel's life. Uh, we have two chapters of the Bible based on this year. One is Daniel chapter 6, Daniel in the lion's den. The second is Daniel chapter 9, where Daniel finally gets some more information regarding a vision he had had 13 years earlier, where it said that the sanctuary would be cleansed in 2,300 days. And Daniel has been worried about this for 13 years. And so he finally gets some closure. So that's the chapter we're going to talk about today. Scholars aren't really sure which one happens first, the lion's den or the Gabriel coming to explain the vision. But we're going to go ahead and go with the angel explaining the vision to Daniel. So open your Bibles to Daniel chapter 9. And here we are, starting in verse 1. When Darius the Mede took over the kingdom of Babylon, in the first year of his reign, I decided to go to the scriptures to find an answer to the vision of the 2,300 days. I studied the book of Jeremiah and concluded that the length of time God had said Jerusalem and the temple would be in ruins was only 70 years, and they were almost up. All right, so you remember, in Daniel chapter 8, we have this prophecy, Daniel 8, 14, And it said, unto 2,300 prophetic days, God will restore the truth about the heavenly sanctuary to its rightful place. It talks about the, the sanctuary being cleansed. And so Daniel was very troubled, if you remember, at the end of that vision. And so it's been several years at this point, actually about 13 years have passed between the vision and this moment here that Daniel chapter 9 opens up. And, and Daniel's been worried about this for 13 years. He's been praying and, and trying to figure out because, you see, the only sanctuary that Daniel could think of was the sanctuary in Jerusalem. And that was the one that had been destroyed, the temple, when Nebuchadnezzar had taken Daniel and, and the other captives to Babylon. But Jeremiah said very clearly that the Israelites would be in Babylon for only 70 years. Now, it would have been about 68 years at this point. So, Daniel knows that there's only two years left of captivity before they're supposed to go back home. And yet, he's looking at this 2,300 days, and he probably knows that um, that in prophecy, a day equals a year. His contemporary Ezekiel spells that out. And so, he's looking at this, could it be 2,300 years before the temple gets rebuilt and they get to go home? And so, he's troubled about this and he begins praying. Verse 3, Daniel chapter 9 and verse 3. Then I decided to solve this apparent discrepancy by fasting and praying, wearing sackcloth and sitting in ashes. I prayed to the Lord my God, confessing my sins and the sins of my people, saying, 
O Lord, you are so great and powerful, and yet so kind and gracious. You faithfully keep the covenant you so mercifully made with those who love you and keep your commandments. But we have sinned and committed all kinds of iniquities. We have been wicked and rebellious and have done just the opposite of what you wanted us to do. We haven't listened to your prophets, who at different times have spoken to our kings, our rulers, and our people. O Lord, you always do what is right, but we have disgraced you so many times in the eyes of other nations. The shame is ours, whether we live in Jerusalem, Judah, or as captives in countries where we have been scattered because we were not loyal to you. All of us have sinned. This includes our kings, our rulers, and our local leaders. But you, O Lord, are merciful and gracious always ready to forgive even though we've rebelled against you. We didn't obey your laws even though we claimed to be your people. We have done just the opposite of what you asked and have gone contrary to what you told us through your prophets. Yes, all of us have transgressed and broken your law. We have turned the other way and not listened to your voice. Everything that Moses said would happen to us has now happened because we sinned against you. But your word is true. And what Moses said to us and our rulers was right when he warned about the disastrous consequences of sin. Jerusalem has been ravished more than any other city known to man. Moses wrote down what would happen. We knew it, yet we didn't repent and stop sinning. We didn't ask you, our gracious God, to help us change our sinful ways and pay attention to your truth. So you watched to see what we would do and then had to discipline us because we disobeyed. O Lord, whatever you do is right, and what has happened to us is the result of our own disobedience. You brought us out of Egypt with such a great display of power that people everywhere still speak of it, but we still disobeyed you. O Lord, in view of all your righteous acts for us in the past, don't let Jerusalem and your people continue to be humiliated because of our sins and the sins of our parents. Jerusalem and your people have become the brunt of jokes everywhere we go. So, dear Lord, our gracious and merciful God, please listen to my prayer and my request and look favorably on Jerusalem and your temple which is desolate, not only for our sake, but for your sake, the sake of your reputation. O Lord, please listen to me and hear what I have to say. Please look and see for yourself how the city that everyone knows belongs to you is in ruins. We are not pleading with you because we've been good, but because we're so merciful, because you're so merciful and forgiving. Oh God, forgive us our sins. Oh Lord, please listen to me and do something. Dear God, don't put off your decision to take us back home. You said it would be 70 years and you would restore the city and the temple. But now you're talking about extending the time. For your sake, as well as for the sake of Jerusalem and your people, please don't change your mind. Wow. So that's a beautiful prayer that Daniel prays, Daniel chapter 9. And there's so many things we could bring out in this prayer. And one of the things is Daniel didn't blame anybody but himself. And you look at at who Daniel was, you look at his relationship with God, you think about in Daniel chapter 6, where um, we'll talk about in our next episode of Daniel, where the the wise men and, and people in Babylon try to find fault with Daniel, and they can't find any. And yet Daniel prays, and he's asking forgiveness for his sins and for the sins of his people. He includes himself in with those who are disobedient to God. And he's realizing that this captivity is a result of his own sin as well as other people. And sometimes I think that as we 
think about problems or, or, you know, we look at discipline that God has given. We like to blame other people. We like to think, well, if, you know, so-and-so would behave themselves or so-and-so would do what they're supposed to be doing. But that's not the case. It's my sin. It's my problem. And I just hope that, <laughs> that I learn to be like Daniel. And my prayer for you is that you become like Daniel and say, Lord, it's, it's me. It's me standing in the need of prayer. And so Daniel's here. He's praying. He's begging God, don't extend the time. I'm sorry we've sinned. I'm sorry we've failed. But Jerusalem and your people are the brunt of jokes everywhere. Please, let us go home. Fulfill your promise. Verse 20. While I was praying and confessing my sins and the sins of my people and pleading with the Lord on behalf of Jerusalem and his holy mountain, Gabriel quickly flew to my side to help me. He was the one who had talked to me before and helped me to better understand parts of the vision. It was about the time of evening worship when he arrived. So this would have been about the time of the evening sacrifice at the temple in Jerusalem. No, obviously for, you know, almost 70 years, there had been no sacrifices made. But it was still that time. And, and Daniel, as a Jew, would have spent the evening time, the time of sacrifice in prayer with God, with his face towards Jerusalem. So it was at this time Gabriel comes. And he said, verse 22, Daniel, I'm here to tell you what's happening behind the scenes and to help you understand things more clearly. As soon as you started praying, God asked me to come and help you. So now I'm here to give you more insight into the vision. You are dearly loved by God. So listen carefully to my explanation of how you and your people fit into the vision. Seventy weeks have been allotted to your people and to Jerusalem, each day representing a literal year. These 70 weeks, or 490 years, are the first part of the 2,300-year prophecy. They have been given to your people to stop their rebelliousness, repent of their sins, and accept God's salvation as an atonement for their iniquity and bring in everlasting righteousness. Near the end of the 70 weeks, the Messiah will ratify the vision, anoint the heavenly sanctuary, and begin his high priestly ministry. When a Persian king gives the command to rebuild Jerusalem, the 2,300-year prophecy will begin. But before the Messiah comes and is anointed, there will be seven weeks and 62 weeks, or 483 years. After the seven weeks, or 49 years, Jerusalem will be rebuilt in spite of great opposition. So there's a lot of numbers there, and, and over just audio, it's hard to explain all of this. But basically, we have these 2,300 years. And Gabriel gives a starting point for this. He says a Persian king will give the command to rebuild Jerusalem. That's going to be the starting point for this 2,300-year prophecy. Now, near the, the, the first 490 years are reserved for Daniel's people, the Jews. The first 49 years is going to be how long it's going to take for Jerusalem to be rebuilt. But after 49 years, Jerusalem will be rebuilt. Now, for the first 483 years, from that starting point, from the time that Jerusalem is commanded to be rebuilt, 
483 years later, the anointing of the Messiah comes. So let's see. 62 weeks, this is verse 26, or 434 years after the city is rebuilt, the Messiah will come. Then one week or seven years will be left to your people. All right, so we, you know, as I said, 483 years until the Messiah, but the first 49 are going to be rebuilding the walls. So you subtract 483 from 49, you get 434 years after Jerusalem's rebuilt. Then you get to when Jesus, the Messiah, is anointed. After three and a half years, so three and a half years after Messiah is anointed, the Messiah will be cut off, but not for himself. Three and a half years later, your nation's probation will end. Jerusalem and the temple will be destroyed. War, destruction, and desolation will come in on the land like a flood. The end has been decreed and is certain. During this last prophetic week, God will fulfill his covenant promise to your people. But just three and a half years into the Messiah's ministry, they will turn him over to strangers to be crucified. This will bring to an end the ancient sacrifices and offerings. For the next three and a half years, God will extend one last call to your people. But the rulers will not listen, which will bring about the desolation. However, the nation that destroys the city and the temple will also come to its end. So let's go through that quickly. So we have the command to rebuild Jerusalem. 49 years later, Jerusalem is finished rebuilding. 434 years after that, Messiah is born or is anointed. So that brings us, let's, let's look at some dates. Basically, The 70 weeks begin, the command to restore and rebuild Jerusalem in 457 BC. That's when that command was given out. Jerusalem was finished being rebuilt in 408 BC. And Jesus was anointed at his baptism. After he came up out of the water, the Holy Spirit anointed him. And 27 AD, three and a half years later, the spring of 31 Jesus was crucified. Three and a half years after that, the Israelites finally ended the probation that was given to them. Then they killed Stephen in 34 AD, exactly 490 years after the command to rebuild Jerusalem. That's the first 490 years of the 2300-day prophecy. And... That's just incredible, because as you look at history, you see that it lines up perfectly, all the way from 457 BC to the time that Jesus was baptized, crucified, and then the gospel went to the Gentiles. You know, one of the things I really enjoy is history. I like hearing the stories of people who lived far away in, in times long ago. And I like visiting some of the places where some of these stories have happened, such as an amazing experience I had last year where I got to walk the same streets that Paul walked when he was in Rome. And that was just so incredible to me because I love touching and feeling these historical artifacts and things that seem to prove history true. But something that's almost 
more exciting is reading the prophecies like Daniel chapter 9, where it outlines so clearly a chronology of events. And then you look at it, and this happened, you know, 500 years, it was foretold before it actually happened. And yet, you look at history, and you see how it agrees perfectly with what Gabriel told Daniel. It's incredible. And so I'm really glad that you were able to join us for this exciting episode, talking about Daniel chapter 9, and talking about this 490 years where the gospel was given to the Jews before it went to the Gentiles at the end of that. So hope that this was a blessing and that you learned something today. Well, once again, thank you for listening. You can find us online at faithandhoperadio.com, on Facebook at Faith and Hope Radio. You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify. Our music was provided by Dexter Britton under the Creative Commons license. Give us a review, thumbs up, five-star rating on whatever platform you're listening to us on. We really appreciate that. And until next week, have faith and hope.